0: urban legends let's talk about them urban legend was a mediocre horror series god when was that like 2000 something it was back when you know like scream decided to reinvent the slasher genre and like the you know the early 90s early the mid 90s and then everybody kind of jumped on board you had your urban legends you had your i know what you did last summer and they they banked the whole movie was banked on the fact that oh we're gonna recreate all these urban legends oh he put the dog in the microwave to heat it up the the whole uh you know somebody's flashing their lights at you you better flash them back because they're gonna come back because it's a gang thing they're gonna you know it's a gang ritual it's just some of them are really silly um although some of them are you know like the whole taking the kidney out and putting somebody in a a tub of ice and saying you should probably get to the doctor because they just cut your kidney out you know i'm sure that was a real thing that happened somewhere sometime um then the urban legends get silly and the one that I f- came across in a podcast I was listening to, did I tell you I like listening to podcasts? Was about a, the appearance of a floating door, a door that floats in the sky. There's nothing connecting to it. There's nothing attached to it. It's just a closed door and it's just hanging in the sky. Now, of course, when I went to go back to do any actual research on this urban legend, there's nothing there. Of course there isn't, why would there be? Um, and I was coming across either the urban legend movie or some Bob Dylan song? I don't know what that's about. But this floating door kind of got me thinking. What would you do, dear listener, dear writer? I'm talking to you. If you came across a floating door that's just chilling in the sky, what would you do? How would you react? Would you interact with the door? Would you do anything with it? Would you Would you try to like throw a rock at it? I don't know. Would you hang around below it? If it's, you know, if it's a couple of hundred feet up in the air, would you just kind of hang out and just see what happens? See if maybe something comes through the door? I don't know. Sounds like a pretty cool story. Boom. This is Hashtag Flash Fiction. It's a show about writing in real time. I'm your host, Eric M. Hunter, and I have been writing since I was a child. There's a million ways to start a story, and you never know how it's going to turn out it could be really good or it could be really bad let's see what happens so we got a door in the sky it's just uh you know it's just your plane let's say it's you know it's a white door got a brass doorknob maybe it has a frame around it maybe it doesn't it's just a door it's just chilling there it's not turning it's not spinning it's you know it's it's literally just hanging in the sky that alone is a premise that obviously doesn't go anywhere. You know, um something like this is more of like a catalyst. It's more of a um, the event that s- starts our our hero's journey. Um it gets our characters moving and interacting with other scenes, other people, other plot lines. This could the floating door could just be a part of something. It could be the um, it could be the result of something. It could be the beginning of something. It could just be a, you know, just a thing out of time. You know, it's a very Twilight zone isk kind of thing. Um, Man, yeah, Twilight Zone, like, that's exactly what that feels like. It feels like we're in this hobunk town in the middle of nowhere, and, you know, somebody just happens to be looking out their back porch and they see a thing in the sky, they go grab some binoculars, and lo and behold, it's just your ordinary door, you know, walking into the laundry room door. (laughs) It's not like a big, heavy door, you know, it's just a very basic, cheap door. And it's just hanging in the sky. As as I've been writing more and more these past few years, I've been trying to find more interesting ways to tell stories. I like the idea of the floating door. As I said before, it's a cool catalyst. It could be the beginning of anything or the middle of anything or the end of anything. And it can fit in, well, not every genre. But I don't know how you'd fit a floating door into a romance novel unless if it was like a, like a macabre or a like a Lovecraftian, or a sci-fi, or a romance story. If it was just strictly romance, I don't know what a floating door would do in a strictly romance sense. Who knows? It could be a time travel thing, and that's just the door they go through. It's the portal for them to go through. What does the door represent? Um, it could just be your basic door. It could be a portal to a different time, a portal to a different dimension, a different planet. It could be um the and you know it could be the um our first sense of seeing some sort of invisible giant that's always among us that we don't we can't see with our own two eyes and for whatever reason the they're holding this door up or it's part of something that we just can't see because it's in the sky i don't know so there's a lot we could do with this so as a writer i've been trying to f- come when i come up with ideas like that when i come up with those those bits of information those those sparks of creativity that I get inspired by I try to stop myself and think okay I could write this totally straight and it'll probably be an okay story I might learn something from it I don't know what but I might learn something from it okay well then I'm done with that what am I going to do with it I mean I could submit it to maybe get it published in a literary journal or something or what have you but that's a lot of those stories I feel like like I'm, I'm past that now like I'm past that point where if i'm going to write a straight story it's not something i'm interested in reading so i don't i wouldn't be interested in writing like i like stuff that's weird and quirky as you know if this is the ninth episode so if you've listened to the other ones you see that my stories kind of wane to the weird and the fantastical and i like stuff like that that's the stuff that's interesting to me a very good writer could take this 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 spark of creativity, this this event, this this cataclysm and write a very, very well structured, a very well written flash fiction story that's, you know, just straight to the point. Um, a door has been discovered. The people around the door interact with it and then something happens or nothing happens. And that's it. I I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to I don't want to write those stories anymore. I want to write stories for the same reason I read stories, the ones that I read. I read certain stories that that lean to the weird and fantastical because I like those are the things I just enjoy. So I'm going to try to write those things. I'm, I want to write things that I would think that I would want to read, you know. So, okay, we have this floating door. I want to have, I want to allow technology to be present in this story like a lot of time as you're writing you may realize it's like oh this would be really easy if so and so had a cell phone and they could just make a phone call it of you know in the middle of anywhere or if they could just google something and a lot of the time and you'll see this in movies a lot especially horror movies horror movies i feel like take just a big sinking dump (laughs) when when you know, whatever they're dealing with or whatever they're trying to find answers to rather than going to the, you know, the old occult bookstore to try to find that one uh, black spine that explains everything that this demon is following them. They could just look it up on the Internet and find some hobunk monk website that gives them all the information right then and there. You know, they don't have to overcome the challenges of getting to the library and, uh, you know, avoiding the demon or what have you. Um, those are all you know, it's always like, well, if he had a phone, he could have just Googled it or he could have just called the police or You know why doesn't he have his phone like why is the battery suddenly dead or why is there suddenly no service like that's what that's what these writers do that's what these screenwriters do is they they come up with these really stupid reasons to take that technology away rather than trying to embrace it and to try to create something new not saying that all of them do but a lot of them do um as somebody who watches a lot of horror movies i'm starting to see now that it's less about oh the cell phone battery's dead or Uh, I have no signal. That's so weird. Or why won't my phone turn on? Or this flashlight was working a second ago. Maybe if I pound it against my hand, it'll come back on. And you're starting to see those same stories, but being put into times of like the 1990s or the 1980s or the 70s where technology wasn't as as abundant as it is today. So they don't have to write themselves out of those corners anymore. And just as a personal thought of mine, I feel like that's kind of coming to a head. Like, I feel like it's getting to a point now where it's like, People are tired of seeing that sort of thing. Like, yeah, you know, s- you know, seeing a movie that's set in a certain time period is fun and interesting. But if you are literally doing it just so you can avoid technology, then that you just need to you just need to do better. Like, You need to go back to the board and try again. Um, so I want to embrace technology uh, in this story. And I think the obvious thing would be like a drone. So I'm thinking there's a kid. So the, the, so the door appears and I need to think of some reason of why. I'm not a big fan of the, oh, well, the door's just there and we just happen to see it. Like, I want another reason to draw attention to the door. So, like, maybe there's, like, somebody finds something on the ground. I was thinking a dead body, of course, because, uh, again, that's just where my mind goes. But it could just be, like, a weird coin or something like that. And then when they look up to try to figure out, like, well, this is in the middle of a field. Where could this come from? And then they look up. They see this door, you know, floating 300 feet above them. So that's what, so that's my initial thinking. So I'm thinking of like, okay, so the, the story's going to start off with like a, you know, nobody noticed the door until blah, blah, blah. And it's probably going to be a dead body because I just like, I don't know why not. And then maybe we, so do we make it into it? If we make it into kind of like a Hobunk town, we can kind of turn it into that. Like, well, it's just the sheriff and his one deputy because those are the only police here. And then a kid who happens to have a drone. I was like, well, shoot, I'm just going to fly my drone up there and take a look at it. So that could be it, too. So, like, maybe it could be, like, the deputy. Oh, no, this is already turning into something bigger than I'm wanting it to be. Because <laughs> now I'm thinking, like, okay, so the story starts out. The uh, the deputy and the sheriff are looking down at this dead body. They look up and they see the door. They're talking to Farmer Jed. And he says, well, maybe we need to call the feds in here. And they're like, well, we don't want to call the feds just yet because we don't know what we're dealing with. We don't want to look like fools. You know, a typical, typical small town thing that you see all the time, and then maybe you know the younger guy just says like, "Well, we need to get up there and look at it," and I'm like, "You got a you got a ladder that goes up 300 feet," and like, "Well, no, but you know, little Johnny down the street's got a drone," and so maybe they they go to Johnny's house and they get the drone and then they fly the drone. So, okay, so that's I'm just gonna I'm just gonna start writing. I'm just gonna do it. I need another last name. Dent. So I had to look up the difference between a sheriff deputy and just a traditional police officer. And I'm happy to announce that I just closed the tab. So I have no idea. It's something to do with the sheriff. is over a few counties. And just in general, you know, ordinance keeping order of the counties where the police officers um his job is to act to like actively stop crime within a given city um and that was a one of those quora uh questions so who knows if there's like any like like reality to it or not but uh i'm finding myself doing that more and more like those little bits of research that Maybe won't have much bearing on the story itself, but it does give a little bit more flavor to it It's just not officer this and officer that which again if you remember from the last episode I now have my list of names Um, So I'm happy to say that we have deputy Roland and officer Walker on the case Ha I almost I almost let them leave With just the body chilling on the floor. On the ground. Without acknowledging like. Hey we're just going to leave this body here. Uh, Talk about plot holes. Okay. So. um, Yeah this one. I don't know. This one kind of turned out a little different than I was expecting. Which is what I was wanting. Um, I didn't just want to talk about. There being a door in the sky, you know, I wanted to try to build a story around that um, rather than it being the catalyst, like I was explaining earlier. And I kind of feel like I did that. Um, This story more reads to me about um, just how the town's constructed, uh, the people within the town, the relationship between our two characters, Roland and Walker. We also introduce a mom, Carrie, and her son, Bobby. And it's, I don't know. I, I feel like it's kind of got like a good weight to it. It's, it seems like a kind of feels like it's an interesting beginning of a movie, I guess, where you just you're thrown right into the action and you're you know, you're picking up the pieces from context clues, the way that characters look at each other, the way that they talk to each other. Yeah, I don't know. Um, this one's kind of this one I feel like could easily be turned into a longer story uh, I feel like there's enough elements here in terms of the world building that I've done so far that if I wanted to I could or if you want to uh, you could kind of sit down and, and really figure out who these characters are you know their, their likes their dislikes their wants their needs take this portion of the story um, that we've written and you know continue on to its conclusion whatever that conclusion may be so uh, yeah let's see where we are Ooh, we're at 11:40. All right, so let's. Um, all right, so we're gonna go through some editing. I'm gonna start making some cuts. We'll go through the the old Pro Writing Aid Improved Document hashtag Not an Ad, and see where we are at the end of that. All right, some light editing. Um, a lot of actually, a lot of the editing I did on this one was not being sure who was talking to who. So there was a couple of times where. Um, I wanted Walker, Officer Walker to have the information, but it, the way it was worded, it looked like Roland was actually the one talking so a lot of that was easily fixed just by moving certain words around and saying, you know, so-and-so says or so-and-so explained. I'm actually kind of surprised the pro-writing aid didn't pick up too much except for some of just like the, uh, the, the, the nuance uh, of um, the word, uh, the, you know, the way that the words kind of uh, were spelled to kind of give more of like that Country sort of accent to it, Um, which I think I mentioned that on here before, but I feel like people don't talk in proper English. You know, they don't use correct grammar or anything like that. So, a lot of the time when like Pro Writing Aid or Grammarly picks up something like that and it's dialogue, I always just let it go because I feel like if I correct what everybody's saying, then all of it sounds perfect and everybody sounds super intelligent and man that is just not the world we live in (laughs) you know um but yeah i it was a lot of just like again you know taking out the movie stuff of so and so shifted you know or lean back against the sink you know i had to carry the mom carry lean back against the sink Uh, does it matter that she's on the sink does it matter that's where she is in the room And a piece of flash fiction, probably not. It's weird because when I first came across this, I was just thinking like, Oh, this will just be a quick, easy thing to do. No big deal. I'll be able to bang this out in a thousand words, but then, you know, sitting down and actually writing it and thinking about it, I feel like I could make a pretty good short story out of this. Like this could be a cool, like kind of, um, country town, um, population, nothing. And they come across, you know, this really outrageous thing and they try to use, you know, just regular problem solving, regular crime solving to figure out what this is and what this, you know, what this thing is and what, what it's doing. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, this could be one of those stories that ends up being something else. Like I, I could probably turn this into a 20, 15,000, 20,000 word short story. Pretty easy. With not a whole, because the only thing I'm really missing is like, okay, so we have this door in the sky. We have this guy who's dead beneath the door. And now we have this kid, Bobby, who's been interacting with him the entire time. So he knows who he is. And he even mentions in the story like, oh, you know, this guy I called um, Alrin, I think is what I called him. Um, wait, is that what I called him? Is that what I called him? Alrin. Yeah. Uh, which I got the name from futuristic name generator from generatorland.com hashtag non-ed and said that he was from the future. And even though Bobby doesn't believe that, it's like all right. So there's something about this guy is interesting enough for a kid. I don't know, the kid's probably like nine or ten years old to keep coming back and talking to him. You know, so geez, what could he have told Bobby? You get to told him all kinds of stories about whatever future that he's living in or claims to be from. Uh, the fact that he can float down from this door is another interesting aspect of th- this character, this body that we don't know anything about, this art, this um, Alrin. You know, did was he pushed out of the door? Did something go wrong in terms of, like, um, him falling down? We could introduce a coroner to come and, you know, to, to do an autopsy on the body. And then that's a whole other story of what this guy could be. I mean, it could be a completely, you know. So I feel like whoever this guy is and where he comes from and what he represents— like if I could figure that out and it was, and it was in a very interesting way, that would be something that I'd want to read. Yeah. I could easily turn this into a short story. Like there's a lot of stuff here. Um, there's a lot of room to grow. There's, this is one of those things where I consider myself more of like, a am uh, an outliner. I'm an architect. I like using that term as an architect where I, you know, I start with a blueprint and then I build from that blueprint. Um, I'm not a pantser. God, I hate that word. Stop using that word. Don't use the word pantser. I like Tolkien's idea of the gardener, where like you plant seeds and then you let them sprout on their own. I feel like this story in particular, I've architected my way through it, and now I need it to like sit with me for a few weeks or a few days, rather, just to see where my brain kind of takes it. Because the only, again, the only answer I really need is just who this guy is and where he comes from. And then once I have that, then I can drop, leave all the clues that comes, brings the reader to that conclusion. So yeah this one's a little interesting this one usually with these it's just like oh here's a thing that I'm, I'm quick and done with you know i felt like that way with the Bagman. i felt that way with it's all theatrics with the telephone where it was just like this is one and done and we're finished but yeah i don't know i like this one i might actually come back and do something with this so uh, i hope you guys enjoy it here is the door in the sky Sheriff Roland kicked dirt in the pasture of the Dent Farm while waiting for his second in command to finish his examination. What do you think? Roland asked. Well, he's dead, all right, Walker mused. I see that, Officer Walker. Care to make any other assumptions? Roland crossed his arms. Walker rubbed his chin and peered up at the sky. The door hung about 300 feet above their heads, connected to nothing and held up only by the sheer will. The door was the second strangest thing Walker had seen all morning. Unless someone dragged this poor soul a mile from the road to the middle of this field, I'd say he fell out of the door up there. Walker pointed to the sky. Roland shook his head. Doesn't make any damn sense, he muttered. Roland stepped forward and looked down at the body again. Can you ID him? He asked. Walker shook his head. No one I've ever seen, at least not in this county. Maybe one over, Walker suggested. Nah. I know Pickin County pretty good. Never seen this man in my life. Plus, no distinguishing marks, tattoos, nothing. It's almost like, like he fell out of the sky. Walker asked. Roland shook his head, stood up, dusted the dirt from his pants. His clothes look funny to you? Roland asked. Walker shrugged his shoulders. Sorta. Of, maybe a little shinier than most, but I couldn't tell you nothing about fashion except for what I'd seen in a Sears catalog. Walker reasoned. He looked out on the field and gazed into the horizon. There's just nothing here. I'd expect tire tracks or footprints, but there's nothing. But this body. Can't make heads or tails of it. Roland looked up at the sky at the floating door. Need to get up there and check it out, he said, pointing a finger to the sky. Yeah, you got a big old ladder, Walker joked. Roland shook his head. No, you got any ideas, Roland asked. I know Carrie's little boy's got one of them drones, had to confiscate it a time or two. Maybe he'll let us borrow it for the day. Satisfied, Roland turned and started walking back to his squad car. And what about him? Walker called out. Roland stopped and turned to face him. I don't think he's going anywhere, do you? Roland asked. Walker thought for a moment, then picked up to catch him. Can I get you boys something to drink? Carrie asked as she moved about her quaint little kitchen. Roland shook his head. I'll take some coffee if it got some hot, Walker said. She smiled at him, eager that caught Roland's attention. What did you want with Bobby's drone, she asked, as she pulled a cup from the tall cabinet and filled it from the coffee maker. Walker nodded his thanks for the drink and took a small sip. He looked to Roland for proper verbiage. Just something we need to get a better view of. It's up pretty high and thought it'd be easier than rousing the fire department, Roland explained. Right then, little Bobby came running into the room, a toy airplane at the end of his hand as it made its voyage from the sink to the china cabinet. "'Bobby, I told you, no airplanes in the kitchen. "'You're going to end up breaking something, "'and I'm going to break your ass, you hear me?' Carrie's voice grew to a motherly tone that Roland was all too familiar with. "'Hey there, Bobby. You remember me?' Walker put his coffee cup down and knelt to the floor. Bobby held his airplane to his chest tightly and nodded. "'Well, we need your help on a big case. "'You want to help me and old grumpy deputy Roland here?' Bobby looked to Roland. Roland rolled his eyes at the comet and turned to face the window. Hey, you remember that neat little chopper I had to get unstuck from your front tree a few months back? He asked. Bobby nodded his head. You thinkin' I might borrow that for the afternoon? We need to look at something real high in the sky. You think you can help us with that? Walker's voice and cadence told Roland that he must be studying for the detective exam. Bobby nodded again and took off out of the kitchen after a pat on the back from Walker. He stood up gripped his cup for another drink. Where are y'all heading, if you don't mind me asking? Carrie leaned back against the sink. Dense farm? That's about as much as we can say. Still an open investigation, you see. Oh, must be something big if it's happening in this town, Carrie mused. Roland flashed her a smile and tipped his hat. Are you going to talk to Alrin? Bobby asked, standing in the doorway with his drone and controller under his arm. Everyone turned to face him. Who's Alrin, sweetie? Carrie asked. He's the man from the door in the sky, Bobby explained. Now it was Roland's turn to ask the questions. What do you two talk about? Roland asked. All sorts of stuff. He says he's from the future, but I don't believe him, Bobby said. Roland and Walker exchanged glances. And how do you get all the way up to the door to talk to him? Walker asked. No, he floats down, sort of. Bobby held out one arm and flapped it slowly as he bent his knees dropping to the ground. Like that. Thank you, Carrie, for letting us use Bobby's toy here. We'll be sure to get it back in one piece. Roland motioned to Walker, it was time to leave. He reached down, took the drone from Bobby's hands, and headed towards the front door. Is Alarin okay? Bobby asked from the porch as they made their way outside. Walker turned. Let's just say he didn't float down this time. There it is the door in the sky again I like it I hope you liked it too I want to read your stories right here on the podcast copyright stay with the author you got flash fiction I want to read it you got. I don't know, something less than, let's say 2,000 words. I think I said 1,000 words last time. Let's make it less than 2,000 words. Send it on over to me. You can email it to me at hello at ericmhunter.net. You can tag me on Twitter at Flash Fiction 4 because I want to read your stories. People want to hear your stories. And until next time.